Hello and welcome to the Collective Podcast with Jay Solomon Kitty and me, your wonderful host, James. Sorry, what? Um, Sorry, what? It's not actually a bear. Kino Collective. It's a woman. It's a woman with boobies. Sound of vision. They're both the same, really. They're both, you know. So I think for the first time, uh, we might before diving into the film. No, 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 no. What day is it? Today on the day that that this is being September the 29th of 2021. That's when it's being recorded. (coughs) It's Halloween. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Yeah. We're actually recording this in June <laughs> because it takes Kitty seven months to put out an episode. We'll pretend it's actually Halloween. It, is, it might um, be. It might. It might be Halloween. <laughs> the day that this goes up. Halloween. What the fuck was that? Oh, whistle. Oh. We want to start now. Yeah. Yeah. We want to start it. Cool. So, um, so I think what first we'll do is um probably known by now uh T- paul thomas anderson uh has a new film coming out uh does someone mind spelling that for me my dyspraxia is acting up my dyslexia A-U-L. oh but yeah yeah it's the film of uh basically a young actor and i believe actress who fall in love around the 70s um have any of you seen the trailer yes yeah watch it I, it, it, I think maybe there's a lot of bias because I love Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, it stars Alana Hyam, who is a member of one of my favourite bands, Hyam. And the trailer has a David Bowie song at the top of it. So, yeah, maybe I'm not the best person to ask, but I think it looks pretty good. And I'm happy that we finally have some news on it because apparently the studios didn't know about pretty much anything that was happening with it until not long ago. And it was being called Soggy Bottom uh, for the past three months. Right. And I'm happy that it's not actually yeah. being given that name. I thought the trailer was oddly... Um, like, I mean, this probably wasn't the actual film, but I didn't actually know it was a Paul Thomas Anderson film. And from the trailer, I couldn't really tell. I think that was just because of, like... It had, and this probably isn't the film itself, but it had like a real Marvel editing. You know, it had kind of the joke about uh, Barbara Streisand, no, Strand, Barbara Streisand, Barbara Str- you know what I mean? Uh, and then I saw Paul Thomas Anderson, I was like, huh. Um, I think all trailers a- are like that. Yeah. It's like that now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's homogenous, you know, capitalism and all that. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in it. Part of it kind of looked like, um, you know, another one of those like young guy falls in love with a girl and then she turns out to be a trickster or like she doesn't love him anymore. Like yeah, some of the shots. But it's Paul Thomas Anderson, so it's bound to be done quite well and bound to have a bit of a spin to it. Is it really? I mean, I don't yeah. know. Like, I mean, have you I seen the master? Him. Yeah. Have you seen I trust like, him. But that's I feel like the film that's like the character just takes you like, yeah, I'm dating a 17-year-old. And it's kind of like I mean, maybe you could say it's critical, but it's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I like Paul Thomas Harrison. He's a good visual director. I guess some of his films don't stick for me. I'm just, let's be fellow. Whenever a trailer comes out for something that isn't based on an IP, I'm shocked. So that's good, at least, you know? 
Um, who's going to see it? I might be a good way. Who's going to see it? Definitely. Yeah, Maybe. I, I don't know yet. I haven't seen the trailer or heard anything about it. I might. That's a, that's a pretty standard answer. I think yeah. that, that'll be your normal answer, won't it? Well, it just sounds like a, you, you've advertised it as just like a romance film, but made by Paul Thomas Anderson. So you never know, it might not be very good. Yeah. It probably will be. But more importantly, like, fuck this Paul Thomas whatever. I think we've got some real film news coming on. The Mario cast has been announced. Um, who knows the map? Who? Do you want me to just read out the new cast for the, uh, the Mario? The Mario is Chris <laughs> Mario. Mario, Mario from Brooklyn. Mario, Mario, as he's known, his brother Mario Luigi. That's their name. Uh, so we have Chris Pat as Mario, um, Anya Taylor Joy as Princess Peach, uh, Charlie Day. Me, what? I'm what? <laughs> What? Uh, <laughs> oh, stop. What? Oh. <laughs> what? James, I also don't know what's funny. Come on, you play. Is it because he said under Princess Peach? I, did I say. <laughs> No. <laughs> this cast, this cast is so long. Every time I hear this, every time I hear this, I didn't know that before. I know you know this is like her, her like the this Wait. is like eighth project you'll have coming out between the time span of now to twenty twenty three. Jay, have you not heard the cast this yet? I've only I only heard about Chris Pratt. Oh, it gets much worse. That's that's not even. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Anya Taylor Joy. They they just seem to be. And I, I think she's a good actress, but they just seem to stick her in anything. She's um, phenomenal. Like you know, good for her. I think she's on a. She's right now on like a task to take over every piece of media ever, simply eventually universe. the universe. And good for her. Um, Donkey Kong will be played by Seth Rogen. <laughs> um, Bowser will be played by Jack Black. Um, I don't know. This is uh, Michael Stephen A will be playing Toad. I think that's Who's the main Code? Who's uh, The guy from Key and Peel. Not Jordan Peele, the other one. Keegan, Keegan, whatever his name is, Keegan Michael. Yeah, yeah, he's great. He's great. Um. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! It's come. Look how. <laughs> Why is that actually good casting though? He's the only well casted one. Well, to me, it's like if it's an animated film, just get the original voice actors because obviously they're just. Oh, is it animated? Is it animated? <laughs> I'm pretty certain it's animated. It's illumination. I think it is. Okay. No, it's it's animated. It's animated. And here's the thing: like, if you see, the classic, <laughs> like, if you see, the classic, you thought they're actually going to be playing out the actual. 
Yeah. <laughs> Jack Black was going to dress him as Donkey Kong. No, but that makes it even... That's something. You know, actually, a lot of um, voice actors are talking about how they're losing a lot of work because of, you know, this obsession with celebrity casting. And it's quite bad because it's like they actually know how to do this. This has been their job. And then some celebrity just yeah, just comes in and, like, half asses it. I mean, I know they replaced... I mean probably not a great film anyway, but bad for them. The original voice actor of Lola, Bu- Lola Bunny got replaced, like, last minute. Um, last minute um, for Space Jam 2, you know? It's a it's a weird one. I just... I don't get why, you know? Because, like... Um, it just seems weird because, like, you know, if you see, like, a free, like a 3D anime Mario, like, in all the video games, all you really want to hear is, like, woohoo! And, yeah, you don't want to really hear... We must save the princess, you know? Like, you don't want to get you practice that. Once. I'm just naturally good. It's probably my 1 8 Italian ness, you know? That proud heritage. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I like most of the actors except for Chris Pratt, like him. Um, but like, you know, it's. I mean, Charlie Day, I'm not shocked because, I mean, He's a good actor, but I feel like pretty much anyone in the Always Sunny crew, like he was in, he was in the Lego Movie though. He played the Lego Movie guy. Yeah, in the okay, Lego but movie. like he's what well, you're using actor. that as as a good point. Like, oh yeah, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what it's gonna be like. He's a great actor, but he's never gonna That's have. What I had in my mind. I had Jack Black like with a cardboard shell on his back, stomping around this soundstage. I thought I literally thought it was live action. Which made it funny. I kind of, but like, do you want to hear actual like full line dialogue coming out of like an animate? What would be worse if Chris Pratt, if you saw Chris Pratt dressed up as Mario (laughs) and we have to believe it's Mario or you see Mario and you have to live with the reality, Chris Pratt's dialogue is coming out of it. I would rather see all of these A-listers bounding around in these. Yeah. Donkey Kong with Seth Rogen's glasses. (laughs) Uh, 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 hey, Mario, uh, pass me that banana. Uh, guess we have to get those barrels. <laughs> Films that have come out this week, or not, not really. No, 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 no we're here. staying on Mario. I really, I, I want to talk about the Green Knight. No, well, fuck that. We're talking about Mario. <laughs> no, we're talking about. What would you guys think this movie's going to be like? What, what do you want to see in this movie? What don't you want to see? What's almost definitely going to be in there? A cameo I... by KSI. <laughs> yes, that's probably going to. Yeah, probably. I mean, there's. Do we know who's directing it? No, I'll look up now. Is it going to be so? Is it going to be someone's commission project, and it'll be like Christopher Nolan? Or, um... Let's see. Um... Is it Ridley Scott? Or is Rob Reiner succumbing to his old age? Aaron Horvgoth. Hor- oh. Aaron. His name's Aaron. <laughs> and he's he's directed like Team Titans Go. And that's it. Oh, that's a cl- I mean, the original was genuinely great. The original 2000s, you know. Don't miss the Team Titans. They led to... They set the groundwork for the uh, comic. They the progression to the Dark Age of Comics in the eighties. So, but yeah. my my four year old brother watches it. No, that's no. I'm talking about the original two thousand and the original comic book. 
Oh, oh, oh the actual oh, titles. I mean, not yeah. the one that's, yeah. Yeah, I know that. I mean, it's not bad. Apparently, the original actor for Luigi in the 1980s, in the 1980s one, is angry that Charlie Day is playing Luigi now. <laughs> to be fair, John Lake was armor blasts lack of diversity on Super Mario Brothers movie as Charlie Day takes Luigi. Oh, I just can't. Charlie wait Day takes show. Luigi. It says actually Luigi Baton, like it's some sort of grand race, you know. Saul Goodman's playing Waluigi. I saw a thing where it said Willem Dafoe playing Waluigi, and I legitimately believed it for like a day. Just because, like, yeah. Do you think if Willem Dafoe took Waluigi, he would take that role seriously? <laughs> I genuinely think he would. I think there is no role he wouldn't get, like... He played the guy from Death Note. And, like, yeah. Yeah, no, Willem Dafoe's a traitor. Honestly, if he was in this, I would check it out. Yeah, yeah. Willem Dafoe's like my favorite actor, joint with Steve Buscemi, probably. It's just ugly man in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Willem Dafoe's he's uh, he's one of my favorites too. Basically, where's the Waluigi cut is what I'm asking before this film has even come out. It'd be coming at the end. Willem oh, Luigi. do you think they're going to do a Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario movie crossover? Mm, probably. Sorry, that would be like too much contract stuff, wouldn't it? Because it's not owned by the same company. But imagine the money. Yeah, I don't know. Money. Yeah. Green Knight, Green Knight, Green Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick to my Mario now, please. Who's in it? I haven't yet. I might go see it soon, maybe. Has anyone seen the Polygon video that argues the original Mario's movie is great? No, Green Knight. <sighs> video, I'd recommend it. Kitty, you've seen the Green Knight. I've yes, seen I the have. Green Knight. I, I, did you get to see it in cinema? I did. I'm yeah. Oh, how, what, you you did the Amazon Prime? I had to. There was, I, there was no place near me showing it. So, yeah. It was one of the quickest tickets I've ever bought. As soon as the local cinema said, "Yeah, yep," yeah. first day, first screening, bam, and it was lived it up to yeah, um, and it lived up to every expectation. Yeah, no, was... I, I don't think it did. It it did, but it didn't. Quality wise, it did, but it. Well, to be I honest, was expecting like, it to be something else, but I loved what it was. Me too, me too. Like, without giving anything away, because obviously no spoilers, but um, I, at the beginning, I was a bit, I was a bit like, oh, this isn't, this isn't what I was, this isn't what I thought it'd be, uh, right, you know, the first, like, half an hour, I'd say. But then, it definitely, it picks up, let's say. Um, it was, I know, I, before I, before I went, to see it, I I would have said, yeah, okay, David Lowry probably is one of the greatest filmmakers currently working. After coming out of it, I would say David Lowry is one of the yeah. greatest filmmakers sure. working. Um, yeah, I agree because he, after seeing the Green, I think he could literally do anything. He could make any film work. Yeah, the range he's got with 
Ain't Nobody Saints, which is a really small crime film, to the spirituality of the ghost story, which obviously we're big fans of. Um, with the crime of um, sort of larger scale in filmmaking terms, crime film was um, The Old Man and the Gun. And then going off and, and doing side projects with Disney. I know, um, that's what I was about to say, like the fact he can do that as well. And actually make pretty good. I, I did enjoy Peter Dragon. Mm. He must really love money. I mean cinema. <laughs> He's doing a Peter Pan film now as well. He is, Peter Pan and Wendy, which is now my most anticipated film because it's David Lowry and I love the story of Peter Pan. Apparently, uh, and, and Jude Law is Captain Hook, so... Oh, really? Good. Yeah. Apparently, a new, um, a new Willy Wonka film is coming out as well. What? What? Willy? Willy Wonka and Timothy Chalamet is playing Willy Wonka. No, no, you're joking. Just, uh, by the same joking. person who made, uh, what's it called, Paddington. You're joking. I'm not no, joking. I, you are I joking. just got it. Timothy Chalamet is playing Willy Wonka. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet I thought I thought we didn't want people to sexualize Willy Wonka anymore. Actually, that's begun on Timothy Chalamet's Wonka. Is that Rami Malek? Olivia Colman, Warren Atkinson, Sally Is that Martin Woolstorm? It's Rowan Atkinson, it's one of them. And Keegan Michael. Are you sure Rowan Atkinson's not playing Willy Wonka? No, no, I think he's... I think he's playing... uh, Not Willy Wonka. Maybe. I'm explaining it. Oh. Oh, actually... It would make sense that Timothy Chalamet wasn't playing Willy Wonka, wouldn't it? He's yes. Young. Yes. Please say <laughs> I don't want him to play Willy Wonka. Google. Google. I've heard it's a prequel. My understanding is I, I haven't watched the trailer, but I heard the trailer like in the background. I think it's literally like, you know, Carmen C is playing as it's like you hear Willy Wonka and he's like, now let me show you where it all began. Oh, I think like, it already. Yeah, it's like, do we really need the deep, gritty backstory of the I don't like the chocolate factory. I don't like Timothy Chalamet all that much either. He's shit. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, really... play, he's playing Willy Wonka. He is playing Willy Wonka. That is fucking awful. He's not old enough. It's focusing on young Willy Wonka. So yeah, James, you were right. Yeah, never. Wonka will focus on young Willy. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we so? Do it weird. Go on Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm trying to find the cast. <laughs> oh, Jesus I, Christ. You're right, Ryan Axon, isn't it? I've, um, uh, Matt Lucas. No, I love Matt Lucas. Yes, yeah. I'm trying, I think I saw this actor I really liked on it. So I'm just gonna... Is Tilda Swinton. Who do you think you'll it? prefer, young Willie or old Willie? <laughs> <laughs> As long as it's effective and get the job done, you know. I'd like to see Tilda Swinton playing Willy Wonka. Oh my god, no. Kill myself and sing. (laughs) Oh, there's songs for it as well. Oh, Sally Hawkins. (gasps) Oh, okay. I I want to see it now. I love Sally Hawkins. Oh my god. She's one of those actors who I think 
is severely overlooked. I've only seen two of her films. She could do a lot. I've heard a rumour that Jack Black's actually playing Bowser in uh, the Wonka film. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Black, uh, just to confirm, is not in The Green Knight. <laughs> What's even the point of watching it then? I'm going to be seeing it tomorrow, so next episode I can say my opinions. Uh, I understand it's based on a bit, bit of poetry. I kind of like that idea. Not, like not just a bit. It, it's, it's quite an extensive poem. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of, like, if we're going to, like, reboot and recreate everything, like, you Get know, maybe David go Larry back to it. Far back. Huh? Get David Lowry to do it. I, I mean, just like, yeah, it'd be, it's interesting. I'd like to see how a filmmaker adapts a bit of poetry, so this would be fun. I'm also seeing it with my mate who um, hates David Lowry, but she wanted to see it for some reason. Oh, so she hates a ghost story. And she's like, yeah, I've heard it's boring like a ghost story too, but I kind of want to give it a try. I might, I might go and see it next week. Neat. I don't, I know. I want to see the new James Bond film, but that's going to be out for months. It's out in the depot. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to see Green Knight on Amazon. Someone, someone said don't watch it on Amazon. Yeah, someone did. Someone did, so I was going to go against that word and watch it on Amazon. But no, I, I'll probably go see it at the depot next week on one of the days instead of James Bond if I can convince myself I oh, will could I convince you you could convince me right I'll have to work on that how long is because the only th- problem I have is, is King Arthur isn't it it's, is it about King Arthur it's not really about him he's in it but he's yeah it's just the whole thing that there's about 750,000 films that are based on King Arthur He's not and they're all... that big of a part of it. Okay, that's good. It's, it's all crap. Sir Gawain. Well, I don't know. He's not Sir. I don't think. Not at this point. Yeah. And there's a Green Knight. I saw the trailer. It looked really weird. It's like in a good way. I won't. Yeah, I won't. I won't say it's not. It. Well, it's not weird. It's it's eccentric. It's very. It's very good, but yeah, it's it's an incredible film. I'll see it. I'll see it next week. Is anyone excited for the new James Bond? No, um, no, are you, but are you a watcher of them? I'm just seeing them with some mates, just as like something to watch before Green Knight. Uh, um, just, yeah, I've never seen any of the newer ones, but I might go and see this one. Some you don't? Yeah, I, th- I think the James Bond films are kind of set so you can jump in. I've seen the first yeah. three James Bonds, as in like the Sean Connery James Bonds and nothing else. Um, Very boring. Yeah, I just think it's all the same, isn't it? And sexist, of course. Yeah. Not going to lie, James, that actually quite surprised me. I would have you down as a James Bond fan. Oh, because I'm named James? <laughs> That is, I would. Alright, well, here's the thing. A really, I'm just get it out. On her final day, this really lovely teacher. Like we talked, and she knew I had an interest in checking out some of them. And like I've had this for like five years, and I've only watched like three of them. So it's like first one up to Casino Royale. Did your teacher and, give you that? Yeah, well, she already had them, and she was getting rid of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Oh yeah, but play. great present. Yeah. Um. If you're gonna watch anyone, watch uh, Goldfinger. Ah, uh, wait. Uh, is, that, is that the Sean Connery one? Could be. Oh that, no, I've watched that one. That's super. Is it a bit boring? It, no, it's super rapey. Oh. You know. That's nice. Yeah. Maybe don't watch that one then. No. I've watched Austin Powers a lot. Those are my childhood films. Those are classics. We are um, veering away from... The absolute silence there. I'm wondering whether we should get on with Dawn of the Dead. Probably. Probably. Well, no, we are are recording, but before we start talking about the main subject, just a bit of housekeeping. um, And saying that from next week or no from this week we are going to be uploading bi-weekly because some of us have moved to university some of us have new jobs we're becoming adults and it's scary um and that will just give us more time to make sure that we're making quality i say quality podcast episodes um so we all have time um and we can make the best that we can also hopefully next week uh chloe will be back she's been off having a break fighting bears in michigan um or something like that yeah i think um, making a documentary about her so she'll be back hopefully next or next episode uh but more next episode after we've talked about well i'll hand over to james oh um, so today we'll be talking about uh, the film classic Scott Pilgrim versus the what? No, um, the Jay Romero's classic zombie film, Dawn of the Dead, the 1975 version, not the um, five, two, isn't it eight? By Zack Snyder. Um, is it five or eight? What? Is it You're five? Right. Or... 1978. You were correct. Sorry, just gotta, just gotta get. No, no, it's fair. It's fair. I, I was doing a podcast with film students. I know what I was getting into. Um, but yeah, so this is his second um, of his. I guess it was six films in total, wasn't it? Like of the dead filmography. Uh, I think it's probably the most famous. I don't know. It's on like the same level as Night, possibly surpassing it. Um, I. Watch the uh, original, the theatrical release, I believe. I don't believe there's any difference between like the directors and the Argento. So I think there's like the tiniest of differences. Um, So I I don't know if you want to clarify which version you watched, that would be cool. But I think we're going to have a very cohesive thing. Um, I just want to start by saying I think this is one of the most progressive and layered films I've seen. Um, Yeah. I guess I'll just allow anyone to say what they want to say about the film, but I am definitely a fan. Well, my name is Jay. I I watched the theatrical cut. Um, I enjoyed it very much. This was my second time watching it, and I enjoyed it. I, I probably enjoyed it the same, maybe a bit more than last time, but I saw a lot more in it than just zombies this time, so I'm glad I did watch it. Um... My name is Kitty. I've been an alcoholic. For... <laughs> um, no, um, yeah, honestly, I actually didn't rewatch it. 
but um, I remember the film quite well. I think I enjoy it. I prefer Night of the Living Dead, um, but I definitely prefer Dawn of the Dead to Day of the Dead. So it's it's just in the middle for me. What about Land of the Dead and Diary of the Dead? Oh um, yeah, go on. Does it Land Before Time? Of the dead? Land Before Time too. Um, yeah, um, so why do you prefer the um, Night of the Living Dead? Might be. I'm curious to hear that. Um, I just think it's a better film, honestly. I, I think, second uh, that. yeah, it's just, uh, I think Night of the Living Dead doesn't try to be anything it's not, whereas Day of the Dead feels a bit like. Do you mean Dawn? Sorry, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, it feels almost like it's pushing the boundaries of what it's trying to be, as in just a lot of elements of it, especially the fucking music. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so hard to take the film seriously with that fucking soundtrack. I think, um, as I've seen... Sorry, I'll let you say your... Okay, go on, go on. I, I totally get that, but to me... Oh, I'm going to be so fucking pretentious. I don't like this, but this podcast brings it out of me. But to me, the film, a big point of the film, I think, is like, wow, people just aren't prepped for like an actual disaster to come. You know, I think in a way that's probably a criticism of the ridiculousness of, you know, the police force in America, American military and government kind of, uh, you know, I mean, I think also to some extent it's a parody of just capitalist society. I mean, I'm saying Dawn of the Dead's about capitalism is probably the most basic thing a film person can say. You know, you can say about a film discussion, but to me it's like, it's also I feel like a parody of masculinity in a lot of ways. And I feel as I've seen the film holistically, that music bothers me less the more I watch it because I kind of, I know the scenes that come later and I understand why it does want you to care and connect the films. At least from my perspective, there's a lot of self-awareness to it. Mm-hmm. Also, as a Gorillaz fan, I'm, I just just quite loved listening to the music because I mean oh, oh wait no it's not this one it's the other one isn't it it's, gorillas uh, yeah gorillas um, massive impact on this had a massive impact on gorillas Jamie Huber has mentioned uh, Dawn the Dead being a big visual influence I, I, mean, I thought you were trying huh? it's literally sampled as well yeah yeah the thing the doo, doo, doo. I don't know that there's a theme when they're when they're I, I, I don't listen to gorillas. I'm sorry. What's wrong with you? But Demon Day starts with a sample of the music and then Dawn the Dead's opening where it's Hello, can anyone hear me? That's just one of their songs with a beat behind it. And I mean lore-wise, they're very inspired by I mean there's so many zombies in gorillas. Um I thought so you were I, saying that gorillas did the soundtrack for this one. I was like, oh no, what? Yeah. yeah, no, um, I quite, um, <laughs> no, actually, it was the monkeys that did this one. Go on, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I totally get that. I don't know why, for me, for some reason, it works. Maybe because it's of the film's find it goofy. And to me, I feel like that goofiness almost adds to it, like kind of the stilted, bizarre acting and like the really over the top lines, like, we got this man, we've got this by the ass, and stuff like that. Like, I, I get that. I just watching it, it just feels so dated. Like there's some films like I feel like Night of the Living Dead can get away with that almost like cheesy horror elements, but this I just felt like it was pushing it. There was too many bits where it's just like, oh, this isn't even like 
it just felt so dated, yeah. Oh, I, I, I agree for some reasons. Also, a personal thing I would say is, I don't want to say Dawn the Dead isn't commenting on society at all. I mean, of course, no. I mean, night, no, sorry. So many fucking somethings of the dead. Um, but, like, I feel like Night of the Dead, to be fair, it's been, like, four years since I've watched it, and I, um, so my opinion might change, but I feel like Night of the Dead doesn't have nearly as much to say, because maybe it's more isolation, it's more of, like, a night or two. And I don't want to say it has nothing to say, because, of course, I mean, just having a black man in the lead and kind of, while his race being an element and not being a, the only trait of his character, uh, like, I understand for the time that was quite revolutionary, and, of course, it commented on that, and it commented on a lot of... Um, racially motivated crime at the time so I don't want to act like the film wasn't saying anything but to me I feel like even just the beginning of the dawn of the dead I think is so much more effective like Night of the Living Dead is two people kind of just at a cemetery and then a, a zombie attacks one of them you know and then it's the character running and going to Night of the Living that's Dead that's why it's so effective Night of the Living Dead I feel like we're going to get into Night of the Living Dead more than Dawn of the Dead but I feel I think, I, that's I think I am very much of the same opinion as Kitty and whilst I don't believe Dawn of the Dead looks massively dated because I think Romero gets away with that because of the way he, he shoots the zombies and I'd like to get onto that later but um, Night of the Living Dead is terrifying because I think because they they are well, he never calls them zombies. They are not zombies. They are humans who are eating other humans, um, which, like this film, shouldn't really be taken as literally as, as depicted. But um, the he's terror... The zombie is represented social progress or something like that. He said, like, zombies have kind of represented what needs to happen. And, you know, I think, to me, the beginning beginning of the film is basically the collapsing of a lot of societal ideas and systems and that's why I find it more effective in Dawn because it begins with a news reporter and you know there's basically all this talk and there's this one person saying all these stations they're saying for safety is outdated and there's this one guy like once we do that people stop going to view us which is clearly you know monetary related and of course I think that's part of the point and obviously I'm not saying like I don't think Dawn the Dead in terms of its themes are like complex in the sense of like it's really hidden like it's hitting you over the head with some of its stuff, you know what I mean? Like, oh, zombies in a mall, you know, it's like, it's like a very obvious thing. But to me, it's like, there's so many scenes that very clearly say something. It's complex in that way that like, while at initial watch, it's saying a few basic things. I think the more you think about it, like Romero really is challenging a lot of systems, you know? I mean, the ending of the film is basically saying the police are Nazis um, because, well, so the beginning of the film, or part of the beginning of the film, is um, police raiding, um, yeah, like a, I think it's like an, you know, kind of a just area mainly, I believe it's meant to be like mainly housed by immigrants and people of colour, and of course it's just, it's meant to be showing them as completely out of control, the police are just kind of shooting wild and having no way to cope with the zombies that have now appeared and just making the situation worse. And then the ending of the film is a biker gang driving in and just destroying it and laying all the zombies into the mall. And like, if you actually see it, one of them has a swastika on it. So that circular nature and sort of that, I think is this comment of a, just like attempts of power, intense for collective to keep things in control. And I think very damning for the time. Um, 
I'm not sure. Maybe it says a lot about a, a person. Well, maybe maybe not a lot, but I think you can you can definitely it, because it is down to taste which one of the three original dead trilogy you like the most. I think I think you really can tell something about someone or their film taste on which one that they prefer. Yeah, I think maybe there's more so there's more moments of humanity in Dawn, which I find more interesting. I get the idea of the bleakness, but I kind of like that depends on what you define humanity as. I, I just think there's so much moments of compassion between these characters, even though there's kind of that aggression and there's some of that, like, ultimately they come together and there's such dark moments, but even in the dark moments, there's compassion. There's just so many scenes, like characters looking worried at others or just laughing at each other or just having fun, even in between these zombie apocalypse. And I just guess I like that. I really liked the film has that. Like for me personally, when I, Rewatched it for the I watched it for the second time, no third time, but it'd been a while since I really paid attention to it. Like something that just hit me was like you know the two uh, more trained army men, you know, um, or I mean the policemen. Like there's such compassion and kindness between them and camaraderie. And maybe I just haven't seen many seventies films, but I was shocked to see that kind of extent of like a really affectionate male friendship in a seventies film. Like I just generally found that shocking and so interesting and I, I know I'm just blabbering on but for me it's just like it's hard to talk about Dawn of the Dead because it's more like the general premise is zombies and people in the wall and then through that it allows multiple scenes to talk about multiple different issues but then for me it's like how do I talk about them cohesively so I feel I'm just sorry you know I feel like you guys are going to have something more interesting to say because I'm just going to be here like oh, I think this is a commentary on toxic masculinity oh, I think this is a commentary on uh, you know, um, gender normativity and all. I think this is a comment, you know, but I guess I just find it interesting. Maybe that's why I just, I don't know. I think I like bleak pieces of media that will have that humanity in it because that just feels more real to me. You know, like I feel like bleakness exists within the comparison of kind of good happiness and vice versa to an extent. And that's what I love in media. You know, media that can have you, scenes that just have me laughing or just really happen and scenes that can have something like, oh, fuck. You know, I think Dawn the Dead is quite close to that. I'm sorry, I'm blabbering. I agree completely. However, I think we're in a weird point now where I see I see more humanness. I don't want to say humanity because humanity as a term does sort of mean compassion. But I think the more human film is Night of the Living Dead because of how aggressive and argumentative everyone is in that and they're all in it for themselves they can't decide on they can't decide on anything unless it really benefits them and that's what I really love about it because all of the characters feel so human because there's so many conditions in that there's so much going on in one place and everyone everyone hates each other whereas in this one there's a bit more harmony and it feels a bit more cartoonish which might aid it in the political points which it's trying to make um, so you can quite separate them and see that it's not really a zombie film but the depiction of this group of people in Night of the Living Dead is, is fascinating to me and that's what makes it partly really scary yeah. I'm aware that we didn't actually ask what Solomon thought of the film uh, oh no! I'm just—I haven't there. seen Night of the Living Dead. 
No, so that's, that's I fine. But I thought, I thought, I thought it was all right. I thought it was quite good. I thought it was a bit cliche, but then you've got to remember that it probably wasn't cliche when it was being made. It probably created the cliches which are in the films. But I didn't really watch it with this whole mindset of like political and stuff like that. But now looking back at it, I can sort of understand. I guess, like I think James said, the first time you watched it, you just saw it as a zombie film. Yeah. But then, was that you? Oh, it was Jay, yeah. And oh, then, no, 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 I, I just agree with that. Was it James? Okay, yeah. And then, if you watch it again, you probably, I mean, I know I can definitely see how that sort of stuff came through. But I can't say I was, like, the most entertained from it, but that was just because it, with the sort of films we have now, like, 28 Days Later, it's one of my favourite films. And the way they, they do it in that is just so much more intense compared to uh, what? What was that face for, Jay? It's the profile picture. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just thought it was a lot more like these these newer films have made it. They're always trying to do stuff different and make it more intense, which make this film sort of just it's a bit funny at points. The zombies are sort of just a bit useless. It didn't really have. I mean, they did pose a threat, but watching it, don't, they don't really seem to look like they're posing much. Yeah, threat. compared to Night, maybe not. And and I think the one thing that I really do love about Dawn of the Dead is that there's so many layers to it, and you can watch it from so many different perspectives. You mean Dawn or Day? I do. I do mean Dawn. I, do I mean thought Day. you did. It's just we're getting yeah. up so much. Um, we, yeah, we need to give them completely different names. Uh, but I, you can, as you said, watch it for the first time, and it's a zombie film. And I remember watching it for the first time maybe a year and a half ago and just thinking, oh, yeah, cool, I, a nice zombie film. Um, and then watching it this time, I did start to see the political elements of it. And I'm sure, as James has second, third rewatch of it, it, it does become a hardcore political commentary. And It was... The, the... seems interchangeable. So I think maybe, yeah, I think for me first, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, what's annoying for me is everyone's like, Dawn the Dead, a commentary on capitalism, which is true, but to me, it's so much more than that. You know? Like, yeah, I, yeah I, it doesn't matter if it's a commentary on anything, you've got to explain what it is. But, I think but, no, I mean, it's commentating on so much more than capitalism. Yeah. And I think people give because of obviously the most thing is like when they say like why are they still in the mall and it's like it was an important place in their life like obviously that's the most like but there's so many other political stuff i think it's commenting on like i do think you know you're saying how the zombies in night are more competent but i kind of love how incompetent the dawn ones are because even then the opening of the film like they are just so unprepared for it that like they're pretty useless zombies and they're still they're still pretty shit at dealing with like you know there's that scene where there's basically all those like kind of military men and kind of like southern people kind of just like shooting the zombies they're like well missed got it you know and as as it seemed happening a song is a song is playing and the song's about the song is something like called something like being a man like the lyrics is playing it's like i'm a man something like that like a real country song so once again a real comment on i feel masculinity in a lot of ways um and i think um i just love that like i know one so often like all the characters have sort of flied away and they've stopped kind of at a forest for a bit or like kind of a countryside area i know there's a point where a zombie attacks uh flyboy's his name 
uh, the reporter who isn't being the reporter who escapes with his girlfriend and doesn't know the two um, policemen that are army guys. Um, like he gets drunk by a zombie, his girlfriend sort of just stands there and does nothing, which you could argue is kind of sexist writing. He somehow gets the hammer, uh, hits it, and then he sees another zombie, and instead of hitting it with a hammer, he just sort of runs up and smacks against it. And I know, like, when I first watched it, I felt like, what cheesy bullshit, but I fucking loved that. Like, I love that writing because I feel like if Zombie Apocalypse first few days, I wouldn't fucking still, I wouldn't register in my mind as zombie, so I wouldn't necessarily be doing stuff that would be that smart. But then what I love about it, what makes it feels more human to me in Dawn is you see that real development of, like, camaraderie growing without denying there's darkness in that, you know, without denying the flaws. I do think... Um, and like, I totally get like, I can see how someone could say day is more accurate representation of humanity. But to me, I just, I get tired of media that's like all about, oh, when it comes down to it, any human will betray them, betray anyone last minute. You know? The thing with, the thing with zombie films, I think, is that zombies are mostly the side character. It's, it's almost all about the relationship between characters and stuff. And it's like the biker gang at the end were pretty much the main threat for most of it. Well, not for most of it, but for that time they they were fine and then the big threat was them. And I think it's just how uh, how zombies aren't really much to do with the the plot of the film in most of these cases. I haven't seen Night of the Dead, so I, I can't comment on if there's any like uh, hostility between the alive people. But it sounds like there is, according to what you said but i oh, think yeah. that yeah zombies they're... are always sort of the side character which are which are utilized and used by the main characters and the presence is the thing that is a threat it's not them it's just the presence and it's always used as a plot device but never i mean the only films i can think of where they are actually a threat are the ones where they can run really fast and pretty much kill you instantly but other than that in these in these things especially like the walking dead the tv show the zombies haven't been a threat since like this third series and there's like 11 of them because they're just they're not the main villain these are all commentaries on like how people treat people in moments of crisis i'd say i can't think of even even in the context of the walking dead um i i i can't think of a story including zombies where they're not used as a framing narrative or a framing device for a narrative about humans and about the awful things that we do or, or the good things that we do uh, in times of crisis and I, I do really enjoy them and zombie films I don't enjoy as much as like The Walking Dead which I love because it's about humans and yeah it's, it's very very cartoonish but they, they always manage to make a point examine humans under certain conditions yeah. and and i think dawn the dead is one of the few post-apocalyptic media that has a positive ideal of humanity and maybe that's why i shine to it more you know i know mm -hmm. how like solomon would say uh you know maybe it's not fair but it's sort of aged which i think is fair like similar to dawn the dead like it's not really day of the dead i mean it's not really day of the dead's fault but i've kind of seen more of that media of like you know as zombies get everyone because no one can trust each other you know what i mean uh, and I think, but I think obviously you could say to a certain extent, 
I think Dawn the Dead's more interesting because I think Romero is talking about all the issues he talked about in Dawn the Dead, you know, I would say including kind of racism and sexism and all of that, but he's following it in characters who um, are more likable. You know what I mean? Because I think like Flyboy, you know, the that's the guy who helps them all. He's kind of plays a part in them all escaping. He's the reporter's girlfriend. Does he he's have a name? Like, I can't remember his actual name, but they call him Flyboy, so I'm calling yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. He, you know, what I found fascinating is he is probably the most aggressive character, and yet he is the most one of the most incompetent characters. He's not never useful. He's still a few scenes he's useful, but he is not. He is by far there are way more competent characters. And I'm just thinking, like a film in the seventies. I feel like even in the eighties, you didn't get that. Where I feel like for so long in cinemas, probably more around the eighties, but it's probably there in the seventies. The idea was kind of aggression and anger was equal to competence and deserving to be a leader, especially in male characters. And if anything, his aggression is like kind of what leads him to make so many mistakes. You know, he takes multiple shots, he fails. He shoots when um, the leader, you know, the, on the main character. I need to look up his name, but the, um, I don't want to word this, you know, the, the black character, the main person of color, like, he's a much more competent character and to me i just thought this was crazy to have a peter i think so maybe a black lead in the 70s who was both the most helpful character and i genuinely think the most competent character because yeah. i know there's that scene where I've, i think a perfect example is like when they're looking at all the zombies when they're in the when they've managed to get into the gun shop like Flyboy's just about to shoot. He's like, no, don't shoot. It's going to bounce around. And I just, to me, that's so, I feel like anti what masculinity so much is in film. It's kind of guy being like, don't shoot. There's no reason to. We've got what we want, you know? We don't need to get revenge. And I mean, even if you look at it, um, that's, I think, I think that's what's interesting. I think, I think, I can kind of buy walking, Day of the Dead, it doesn't work out because it's mainly white men and then one kind of, you know, black man. I get the idea in that situation, there would be too much kind of discrimination and hatred and stuff like that in that situation. That would, and I get what the message was that. But I think what's interesting is I do feel there's a writing that like Peter is so competent to um, the reporter, the one female character, because he understands it. Like there's the scene where like after she's mentioned she's pregnant, she's like, I need a gun before you leave. And her husband's like, you know, no. And he goes, that seems fair enough. Give it to her. And I do think a certain thing is right in there. It's like, he sort of understands being in that situation of being belittled. At least that's how I read it. And I know I'm rambling, but to me, I just, I do find that almost revolutionary, maybe revolutionary is an overthought. I found it kind of quite progressive, at least for the time. And I thought, I just found that so interesting. And I think maybe that's why I find the film more interesting you know and i think the thing is even with flyboy sorry for using that name between what i remember it's like even though really when you look at it he's kind of he's quite aggressive to his wife he's quite a cruel character i think there's even scenes where he looks quite he looks kind of threatened by peter and i think part of that is because like he i don't know for whatever reason some weird masculinity and in the end, he gets turned into a zombies and they lose them all because of his idiocy and his aggression. Because when the bikers are destroying all of them all, if they just leave, if they just let them do that, the zombies stop them. But he starts shooting at them, you know, which makes them nose them. So, like, despite all of that, though, 
he's a character in a lot of ways who has a lot of humane and likable scenes and a lot of personality and the actor's quite good and to me maybe that's more powerful than a day of the dead where kind of what ends it are these characters we hate from the beginning you know what i mean like it makes it more like i can relate to this guy i can emote with this guy and then also on the more subsequent watches i can notice these really negative things about him i find that more powerful it's you Stephen. Know? it's Stephen. Stephen. Yeah, Stephen Flyboy. Yeah, sorry for the round, but I'm just like, it's hard for me to talk about this film because I feel like I've only watched it a few times and I know something's there, but I'm finding it hard to express I it. Can t- we can tell you're passionate about it. Yeah. Could you explain a bit about your readings or your, your analysis of it in terms of, I know you've said that it's not enough just to say that it's about capitalism. I just, more, I just more mean I find it annoying that it's related to that because I think it's so much saying such. It's not just capitalism bad. And I think when people say like, oh, the zombies are a commentary of capitalism, I think it really misses how it explores kind of like, like just like I'm saying all this about race. I think a lot about kind of humanities in preparation for stuff. I think a lot about gender. I mean, a scene that actually this watch round, I didn't remember till now. There's a scene where... Um, I think to a certain extent you could argue some of the writing is a bit sexist because the only female character, she's quite useless for a lot of the film. But I think maybe that's almost the point because then when in a situation where it's no longer about gender norms, it's about can we survive? She has to learn to fly the helicopter. She has to learn to use the gun. And I think one of the final scenes before like the bikers come, you know, hell is that loose is like, she's looking in a mirror and it's almost like a perfume ad and she's kind of got like these big eyelines on. She's got this perfume. But, and like, I don't know the fashion of the time, so maybe that was normal, but to me it almost seems kind of heightened, like exaggerated ideas of what's advertised as femininity in adverts. And then the point, she's also got a gun. And I think there's a scene where she sort of looks at herself in the mirror and like, she kind of just pulls one of the fake eyelashes on, it's like, why am I wearing this? And to me, just when people just say, oh, it's about capitalism, the zombies are commentary on that. There's so many more layers of that. And I think, people think it's a much more shallow film than it is. Um, but then, I, I don't know. The more I watch it, kind of the, the time I watch it, I was like, wow, it's really hard to connect all these points. So maybe in some ways, Romero is just sort of writing the scenes. And he's like, and here's this problem, and here's this, and here's this idea, and here's my quirky music in the background. But I don't know, there's some charm to that. Um, I'm going to shut up now for a while. Um, Sorry for taking so much time. I um, I guess I saw it like that with the lots of different criticisms scattered around the whole story. Uh, the ones that popped out to me the most was the whole consumerism, very on the nose zombies uh, as humans just going back to the shopping centre because that was what was important to them in life and that's a message i really liked um and as, as i was saying earlier i really love the way that the zombies are shot in this film because they're when they're actually on screen they're never there's never low angles of them or presented as these big looming horrible scary things they are just you know medium close-ups of just like they're humans with grey faces, um, almost in a way that 
you're not supposed to be scared of them because they almost feel familiar. And I think those shots of them walking around with the, I, I don't know what the pieces of music are called, but they're classically quite funny pieces of music, humor, light, happy. Um, and I remember being quite jarred by those in the first time thinking, why are they there? But I think they, they are really admirable now because I, I see that, oh yeah, we're not supposed to be scared of the zombies because we're supposed to feel like one of them. Like we are the zombies in, in other words. And it made I, it not scary at all. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird thing to happen, but it's a point. I, I see that a lot. What you're saying, with the, um, the sort of music with the zombies that make us feel like them because yeah, it didn't, it didn't scare me at all. It just made me feel like that. They were just there. They, they weren't a threat. They were just people. And what you said about them all going to the shopping center, the consumerism, I can sort of see that a lot. Uh, that's as a very obvious thing why mm. why would they be going anywhere else and it's because it's not like they would be going there for anything other than for the reason that everyone goes to the shopping center so yeah i th- i think that's a a good point to make about it oh yeah that the um the only the only time that i thought oh that's that's a freaky way to shoot the zombie with the camera not the gun was um when it's not actually the zombie, there's many shots where you sort of see a part of it or its shadow, and that is the only stuff that's scary about it. And the very just the suggestion that it's there, it's, it's the unknown. And I think that that could be another comment on humanity being not very scary, but it, it can make itself appear like that. It, it can make itself look like this this horrible force but behind it all it's just a human that can as we've seen been torn apart by by others which which is quite incredible i really like the special effects of of those moments of course i'm the one saying i admire these people being torn apart but um yeah that was what it was well there's a few um like you look at it it's just sort of a face painted green but i think kind of like i think once again either in the more even the more important scenes uh romero knows how to kind of edit it so you don't see it or when you do see it is maybe earlier in the film when a bit more of the that kind of comedic edge kind of adds to it because a bit of the point is like how unprepared we are i know when one of the gang like gets bitten and eventually after like a few days he turns into a zombie like that's one of the scenes where you've really got to focus on them. I think that's some of the best makeup for the scene because, yeah, I think Romero understands like when the makeup can't be crappy. You know what I mean? And I think that's some of the best makeup in the film. So, final thoughts on the film? <laughs> I I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Even more so having discussed it. <laughs> I, I oh, really is... enjoyed your points about the masculinity. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's good, and I think having this discussion, like how Solomon said, um, a lot of zombie films aren't actually about zombies; they're about how humans cope. That's something I'd never really thought about, but seems obvious that I said out loud. So, yeah, I've learned a lot from this call.
Yeah. Now it has dawned on me that there is quite a lot more to the film. I think it's a bit more than just a zombie film. How long did that take you? Uh, well, probably throughout this call. <laughs> the, what? The, the I, I meant the pun. Oh, the pun. Oh, <laughs> well, after day of watching the film, that it is now night of the no. dead. And my friend Sean of the dead is day of the dead. Okay, yeah. No, I yeah. I enjoyed the film. It was all right. I mean, it was a bit old, but not not old. <laughs> I'm like, not for every way since it came we, out. Can I even yeah. rate it against white? Thank something? you guys for watching. Yeah, and thank you. Night. Thanks for listening. Um, thank you. On to, or, or we'll we'll see you in not next week, but the week after. Um, or you'll see us or listen to us. Uh, Solomon, you are hosting next. Yeah, get ready to be depressed. We are doing <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. A very happy film about uh, and game shows. we're all really happy to be doing it. We are. Look, Kitty's yawning. Jay is also just about to yawn. Great film. So join us next week. Bye. Happy Bye, Halloween. Everyone. Oh, yeah, happy Halloween. Make yeah. sure happy to Halloween. not go out because you're probably over the age of 12. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode of the Sound of Vision podcast was edited by Grace Smith.